to the CLIMB podcast. I'm Lynn Robbins, Director of CLIMB. Joining me in the studio today are Edwin Lindo, CLIMB's Associate Director of Critical Teaching and Equity, and Bill Harris, the block lead for the University of Washington School of Medicine's Blood and Cancer Block. We created this podcast to highlight Edwin's work as a consultant with CLIMB. He is available to assist faculty in making their teaching more equitable and inclusive. In this podcast, Edwin and Bill discuss how they work together to improve a presentation that Bill has been giving over several years on health outcome inequality with a specific focus on breast cancer in African-American women. If you want to see the actual teaching presentation that Bill gave, we have a video that accompanies this podcast. And you can find that video on our website climb.washington.edu. So my name is Bill Harris, and I'm the co-director for the Blood and Cancer course. I'm a a medical oncologist and um, uh, have been here at the UW for many years. My name is Edwin Lindo. I am faculty in the Department of Family Medicine, and I am the associate director of CLIMB with a focus on equitable teaching and pedagogy. And so, so excited to share today and uh, and have our colleagues hear us. So I'm wondering if you can just maybe give us some background how we got to this point of teaching about the factors of breast cancer outcomes in African-American women. Absolutely. This was an existing topic that I had been covering for a few years because I felt it was important uh, to address the larger issue of health outcome disparities in our patients. This is in the context of a lecture on overarching um, trends in cancer therapy. Mm. Uh, So I was talking about molecular agents that were evolving, how cancer care is being improved over time, and where we can improve outcomes even more. One big area where we need to intervene is through minimizing health outcome disparities Right. Uh, based upon socioeconomic factors and race, because that's yeah. clearly established in you know the medical oncology literature. Right. So I've always felt this is an important thing to address, and I have wanted to address it, and it's been fine-tuned by me and the blood and cancer group right. uh, yeah. over the years. And then we got to the point where we wanted to add a little primer to the small group discussion Mm -hmm. in my larger lecture, putting some of the introductory slides on the topic just to start that conversation. Thankfully, we were introduced to the fact that we had uh, you, where we uh, might want someone to look over and give some guidance on how to discuss it, uh, that that you would be available. And I think I was perhaps one of the earlier adopters of that. Yes. I felt like this content was clearly something where you know, getting input on, you know, how are we discussing this? Are the students going to feel like this has been discussed in a well-thought-out manner right. and to the depth, you know, that they felt we weren't just glossing over the right. content? And so that's really what led me to reach out. And one thing I want to clarify, you had mentioned you had this content not only because the data and research suggest it, but it was hitting very clearly that we have to discuss the issue of racism within the health disparities that exist. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And because I think there may be colleagues of ours who say, well, I don't know exactly how 
racism and that discussion fits into my content. And what you showed is when you think hard about the content, you start seeing spaces where there's gaps. And maybe for folks listening, it'd be helpful to know how, how it all worked. Yeah. I emailed you yeah. and said, you know, I have these slides for uh, both a lecture component and an associated small group component where we expand upon it. Right. And I broke out the slides that were relevant and the case content from the small group uh, sort of in one email and said, you know, would you mind looking over this and just providing some feedback to me on how you might discuss some of this content and whether you see areas for improvement. Right. I sent an organized email. Yep. And and a week later, uh, I got a response with edited slides from from you saying, you know, I looked over the content. In general, it's good, but there are questions I have about this content. And I've marked up the slides. And maybe we can discuss on a phone call, which we did a couple days later for about 20 minutes. Right. And at that point, I felt like, you know, I had gotten good input on the content Enough so that I, I did modify the slides mm-hmm. uh, to try to reflect the input that you gave. All in all, uh, it was very time efficient, and I think it was really something that improved the discussion, and I think the students appreciated it as well. Well, it was especially helpful to me to get some comments on the slides after thinking about it a little more decided, how, how can I integrate these comments into my right. lecture in a concise way? Sure. I actually thought the best way to do it was show the slide, which uh, captured what the nature review stated were the common factors involved in outcome disparities for, for African-American patients with breast cancer. And then right after it, flash up your slide, sort of says, well, why are these things the way they are? And I think that takes it to a deeper level. I really did like the way you marked up that slide because when I looked back at it, each topic that you called out is a very good research question right. where you know we could call out any one of those points and say, well, they say in a nature review that you know, we have lower rates of genetic testing for African-American women. I, I think that is true based upon uh, the data. Right. But the real question is, why is that? Right. Uh, and and then, you know, beyond that, how, if you can figure out why, how can you intervene? Right. 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 And that's really what the students want to know yep. uh, when you discuss these things yep. is how can we actually intervene? Right. Right. And because this is true for a lot of the literature, I think, generally in medicine is when we talk about race, unfortunately, the outcomes tend to link superficially race to the health outcome. And when someone asks the question, but why is that particular race having higher prevalence of that particular malignancy or disease? The answer usually is we don't know. We just see a higher prevalence. And I think our students are coming to us now with a very strong critical lens of, we think we have some ideas, which may include racism, which may include sexism, which may include intersectionality of many identities. And if we don't talk about them, then sometimes it does feel as though we're, we're left out of the conversation as educators because we don't fully grasp perhaps what our students are saying. And our students are presenting us new material. And you may have experienced this, that 
when there is a different perspective of the material, it is an amazing learning opportunity, not just for the class, but also for the faculty member. And maybe letting go of the fear that if we aren't the ones who are sharing the knowledge, that we've lost control of the classroom or that they'll view us as less intelligent. I just don't think that's true. I think the humility of, for example, showing the slide and saying, I sought support for this. I don't have all the answers, but I know that there's people here who have been thinking about this perhaps more than I ever have. And I want to make sure that that is being shared with you all, students who are going to need this information. It seems like that was the response from students of a sincere thankfulness that a deep thought in this area was was put forth. And, and it seems like the students, they noticed that. Yeah, I think this segment of the lecture was definitely well-received by the students. People came up to me afterwards and thanked me for uh, addressing this content specifically, putting the time in you know, to really think about it and present it in a um, well-constructed manner. I was trying to address the fact that there is institutional racism. Yeah. uh, And then there is also personal racism, uh, you know, that uh, also can play a role. Right. And and that that's hard to quantify. Right. 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 Um, Right. But I I did call that out. We know this exists. Uh, The data certainly speaks to it. And... I think it's important to, to call it out. When you called it out, was there a disturbance or somehow someone suggesting you're making this political or that you, you're teaching me something other than science? No. I mean, there was, there was no, like, I, I, this is not a surprise to anyone that racism right. exists, right? right. Uh, and, I mean, I think our students are more in tune than, than we are yeah. you know, to this. So, uh, no. I, I, I mean, there was, there was not any uh, pushback. Yeah, you know, that that I am openly discussing the topic. Um, I, I think there was just sort of appreciation for the fact that it was being considered as a factor that can yeah. you know, influence care. And I, and I think that student was right that in the foundations courses, it probably was the first time that they heard the word racism used as a descriptor and explanation for why health disparities exist in a particular field. What would you suggest or recommend to us? to get comfortable with sharing that the data shows that racism has detrimental effects on care, the psychological health of individuals. We're struggling with getting to the point to doing what you said, standing up and saying, this, this is attributed in many ways to, to racism, and, and now let's explore what that looks like. What I would say is that keeping an eye out for the data Yes. And then going to the sessions at conferences or pulling the paper is the first step. We should be keeping an eye out for that information. Yep. And that's, that's really, I think, how I would start to approach it and then start to synthesize brief discussions. It doesn't have to be long. Right. Uh, and getting additional help on the content because I'm not an expert on this. Right. right? Yeah. Uh, so so that, that leads me to a question of how did you prepare or support our whammy colleagues to discuss this material? The way that I did this was I provide the slides to each site in advance. Right. And I did integrate your slide, okay. uh, which reflected some of your input. Yep. And I discussed with them 
why I integrated that slide and why I thought it was important. That's great. I also think for tricky discussions, and I think this, this is a tricky discussion to give, I feel very strongly that providing some standardized way to convey that yep. information is important. And so the slides are one right. way to do that. And right. I also provide a discussant key, slide by slide, to sort of highlight what I think the key points are to convey. And then, you know, we always have each site review it and, and come back with questions yep. as they arise. Yep. But, you know, this is fine-tuned year to year as well. Yeah. So we get feedback and then we modify. Yeah. You know, we have people with a variety of backgrounds, many of them scientific, you know, some clinical, right? right. But very few folks have gotten up and lectured specifically on um, the larger socioeconomic and, and yeah. racial issues. So that uh, it makes me think of two things. One, you did share that standardizing is a key component to this, standardizing the language of the presentation. Mm-hmm. Is there perhaps anything else that you would share and say, this is why I, and how I would share this with folks who, who may be openly or non, not so openly reluctant yeah. to, to speaking about this? Well, I, really, I would advise at that point that we get help, right? Yes. And so yep. I, think, um, I think that would be a good situation if someone said, you know, boy, I'm uh, reluctant to yeah. bring this up or I feel uncomfortable. Right. And you anticipate, you know, that um, you're not going to be able to effectively answer questions or address it. That's a good time to circle back and say, okay, maybe we should, you know, create a phone call or a, or a you know, Zoom conference right. and maybe involve you yep. or involve someone mm-hmm. in how would I discuss this? Right. right? I think that's great. Yeah. No, that is a great process. We've been thinking of the question of perhaps explaining to the listeners, why is it so important for students to know, meaning the content that, that you covered, in the eventual future care of patients? I, I think for a variety of reasons. One is, you know, I actually feel very strongly as a clinician uh, that while we can make a huge amount of progress in our basic science and translational research, actually a lot of the uh, improvement in healthcare outcomes are by implementing what we already know effectively. For example, uh, I treat a lot of hepatitis Mm. uh, patients uh, because I focus on liver cancer. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, for patients with chronic hepatitis B, only half in the U.S. are diagnosed with it, and only half of Mm. them are treated correctly, right? So this is obviously an area where we know there's clear benefit uh, to treating patients appropriately, and yet we're only really sort of identifying and treating 25% of patients. So... Same is true for a lot of different things. So I think that we can improve outcomes for our patients by eliminating barriers to appropriate care. Yeah. In addition, you know, as you brought up, there are lots of questions as to, well, why is this the way it is? Mm-hmm. And those are great research yes. questions uh, where we can identify what the cause is, and then target an intervention and prove that we can uh, intervene. Right. And right. that's how we move medicine forward. Yep. So I think both from the clinical and research perspective, 
it's a really important yeah. topic. Yeah. Right. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. And would you say after this process that you're you're much more confident now in saying, Yeah, this is this is how this could work. I have resources and I'm I'm more confident than I was perhaps the first year I talked about this. Absolutely. It's really helpful to have someone else look over the content, right. someone who knows what they're doing and talks about this, you know, uh, much more than, than I do, sure. right? I, I just feel like having a second pair of eyes on it and some other input from an experienced teacher only adds to the conversation, and it improves my comfort level. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I, I, I think it's a huge resource, and I'm, yeah. very o- I'm more open to talking about it when I have some support. Thanks, Bill and Edwin, for sharing your experiences working together. I want to remind those of you listening that you can find a video of the teaching session that Bill presented on the CLIMB website, climb.washington.edu. We hope you enjoyed this CLIMBcast. Check out the other podcasts we've created for additional tips on how to make your teaching more equitable and inclusive. Thank you.